Welcome to Insight, Kingspan Insulation's podcast on all things insulation related. My name's Alexandra and I'm part of Kingspan Insulation's marketing team. Today I have Matt and John from our technical team joining me. Tell me a bit about yourselves and what you do for Kingspan. Hello, I'm Matthew Evans, so I'm technical manager for Great Britain for Kingspan Insulation. So yeah, I've worked at Kingspan for 12 years. Um, I've managed the frontline technical teams and uh, project teams as well here at, uh, at Pembridge. Uh, also had a long history in family in building really. My family worked in construction and run their own kind of building firm so uh, for many years. So yeah, so construction is, is, is what I've always been involved with. So uh, looking forward to today. Uh, I'm John Ducker, uh, Head of Public Affairs of Kingspan uh, Insulation and uh, I've been an energy assessor for the last uh, 14 years now, uh, firmer modeler uh, for the last sort of seven or eight uh, and I'm involved with uh, various uh, trade associations and uh, industry working groups uh, relating to the, uh, the building envelope and uh, the standards and regulations that relate to them. Fantastic. With climate change being a critical topic, reducing carbon emissions and energy use is a topic high on everyone's agenda. One crucial area for this is buildings. In 2016, according to the Committee on Climate Change, buildings accounted for 19% of greenhouse gas emissions in the United Kingdom. An additional 15% was generated by electricity consumption. Now there are a number of initiatives and regulations that are relevant to this, but today we are just talking about two of them, starting with Passive House. Firstly, could you talk me through what is meant by a Passive House? Uh, well, a passive house standard uh, it's defined as a building for which thermal comfort can be achieved uh, solely by post-heating or post-cooling of the fresh air mass, um, which is required to achieve sufficient indoor air quality conditions without the need for additional recirculation of air. Um, the real intention of them is that they be highly energy efficient, thermally comfortable, durable and aesthetically pleasing. Uh, and uh, really it's down to uh, you know, meeting the standards, not just there being an aspirational level to, to aim for. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite a, um, a rigorous standard, but you know, there's a good level of quality that goes with that. Uh, overall, it aims for the building to uh, meet a, a very low energy construction standard. So you're reducing your heat demands to the best level uh, that you can before you start looking at servicing those demands. Um, and it was developed uh, in the 1990s uh, in Germany by uh, Dr Wolfgang Feist uh, who was concerned that buildings consumed much more energy than when built than was being predicted at the design stage um, and so passive house buildings generally uh, are seen to um, meet the standard to which they're supposed to have been built whereas it's, it's been identified actually that quite a lot of homes um, whilst they're built to a certain standard, they're actually performing far worse than expected. I've never I was going to add is, is this that, you know, it is very much this kind of fabric first kind of approach, isn't it, John, adding high levels of kind of insulation um, and actually looking at kind of uh, low levels of air tightness. It's kind of hitting those two main kind of kind of principles you know, and looking at reducing all the kind of possible areas of, of kind of thermal bridging. So whether it's kind of like uh, junctions, uh, even where looking at, so from my experience, when we've uh, had a kind of passive house projects, you know, they're taking much greater kind of look and 
correction values, I guess, where people are looking at bridging and kind of the impact of fixings going through insulation. You know, they're just taking, I'm not going to say extremes, but they're taking it to that kind of detail, I guess. So talk to me, what are the benefits of building to passive house standards? Well, there's a few different ones, really. Um, as I sort of said earlier, they, the, the build quality uh, is typically much higher, um, which can lead to reduced maintenance requirements, um, reduced levels of building defects compared to many other buildings. Uh, because there's so much attention to detail, um, buildings are just built much better. Uh, on top of that, it's kind of allied with reduced energy bills, high levels of insulation and good detailing, and low levels of air tightness, reduced your overall costs of heating and the carbon emissions associated with it. Uh, because you are working to particularly good ventilation standards uh, with good levels of ventilation provision, then there's particularly high levels of uh, indoor air quality. Um, and that combines uh, you know, the lower le levels of, of uh, losses with actually better levels of internal humidity, uh, which maintain typically between 30 and 60 degree uh, percentage uh, humidity. Um, and the moisture and odours are extracted by uh, controlled ventilation systems, so that tends to be much better. Uh, allied with that, you get improved levels of comfort, so the air temperatures are much more constant. Um, radiant temperatures, uh, airflow and humidity levels as we talked about, but they kind of combine to create a much more comfortable environment to live in. Uh, allied with the reduced energy bills, it's obviously overall a reduced energy footprint, uh, so the passive house standard ends up with uh, much less uh, residual heating requirement and cooling demand, uh, which leads to overall a significant reduction in demands for the grid. Um, and I guess, you know, overall, uh, the financial return, you know, whilst there are slightly higher build costs, uh, that can be offset by significantly lower operational costs and also reduced uh, costs for the defects. Uh, so there's less likelihood of fuel poverty and much better health outcomes for those living in, in passive houses, typically. Um, I think you know you covered a lot of detail there, John, which is you know which gives all which is fantastic. I think I just make a bit of a general point really, and I think for me when when people look into the passive house, I I kind of get the feeling from the experience of customers that have contacted us that they really want to take that care and and kind of in the design really they they wanted to build that really high performing property and and I think that's why it's. It's almost like that self-builder wanting to go down that route. You know, they're taking that, let's say, care and consideration. That they want all these kind of factors. They're looking for a higher standards than just building a a typical kind of house, if I can put it. Do you know what I mean? Which is where actually I think the challenge is: is how do you get this level of care and detail and and specification into the wider kind of housing kind of market? Um, yeah, that, that's a that's an important point actually, because um, there is you know it's been identified uh, in in recent years you know the government's talking about a new homes ombudsman uh, to to potentially help uh, sort out the problems that are occurring with you know more homes being demanded and uh, you know needing to be built there is that concern that quality standards can can slip somewhat. Um, and I'm aware that you know, uh, yeah, house builders operating at scale uh, will tend to have quite a, a high level of issues um, if they're not built to a consistently good standard. So you, you can have you know, thermal issues, you can have 
uh, you know, general defects, areas that have been missed that overall can add up to um, you know, not as good quality, not as good performance overall. So the Passive House standard, because it's got this certified design process and installation process, really means that you get a, an overall better outcome. There's an extra little bit of cost that's associated with that, but actually I think in the longer term it's, it's very worthwhile. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think you know some people think that actually if you go down this level of kind of uh, passive kind of standards, actually it's going to limit what you can actually build. Um, uh, you know, and I'm just sort of looking for some of your experience, some of the case studies that I've kind of seen that through Kingspan, and, and there's a great one actually by the uh, Kingspan Pot and kind of show home. And just to briefly touch on this, is that they've kind of done their show home, but they kind of built it in a way that it's quite a real complex design. And the reason why they did that is they wanted to show that it doesn't matter what that kind of building, if it wants to be quite a, a kind of big family home with a lot of kind of um, changes, a lot of kind of, still want to keep a kind of nice design to the building, it is possible. Um, and they kind of showed that, you know, with, I said they've got a great kind of building, you know, it's worth kind of looking on the uh, uh, kind of website. Um, but I think the key thing is they actually still managed to get really low U values, even with a design consideration. So they actually went with um, 142 mil tech panel on the walls with 100 mil of the cool firm insulation, um, Kingspan cool firm insulation. They got down a U value of 0.1. So, uh, you know, that was going for that. And even on the roof panels, they went with a 172 mil tech panel. Now, the reason why they did that, that sit panel, was two things. One, it got a greater kind of span. So it kept the more the kind of design features. Uh, allowed them that design flexibility that they needed uh, but obviously also hit the kind of u-value and by going with those kind of products they were shown to get really low kind of air tightness so i guess it, what i'm kind of showing is is that sometimes you think that you can't transfer this from a kind of pacifier into a wider kind of um housing industry but actually the, there are case studies out there that are showing people that it is possible even with complex designs. So obviously we've already sort of touched on a, a few of, of, of these areas and I know Matt's talked about um, the, U the sort of U-values and how that comes into it but John talk to me what are the key considerations um, when building to this standard? Well the, the key one really is um, making sure that the annual heating and cooling demand is, is no more than 15 kilowatt hours per meter squared per year. Uh, with a max peak load of less than 10 watts per meter squared. What, what that overall also means is that the, the total energy consumption you know, is, is kept to a very low level um, and the primary energy for heating, lighting, hot water and power um, needs to sort of remain below 120 kilowatt hours per meter squared. So, so it's, it's a much, much reduced uh, overall uh, uh, level of heating demand and, and cooling demand performance then is found in your typical uh, house uh, constructions. Uh, on top of that, uh, there's a very high level of air leakage required. Sorry, I should say that as uh, there's a very low level of air leakage required <laughs> as it can't uh, exceed 0.6 uh, air changes per hour at 50 pascals test pressure. Um, what that means is there's very little in the way of uh, leakage from the building that's not actually intentional. Um, overall, with a, with any dwelling, you know, uh, you, you're wanting to heat it to a level that's comfortable, uh, and to maintain it at a comfortable level, you want there to be very little in the way of drafts. You don't want to be losing air that you've preheated. Um, so, intentional ventilation is great. You've got to replace, you know, uh, air that's becoming stale. 
that's been you know laden with moisture, that's you know, got uh, nasty nifts and so forth. But at the same time, um, you know, if you get rid of air, if you expel it from the building, that air has been heated. You want to make sure that um, the replacement air that's coming in uh, is limited, you know, because it's coming in, it's cold. Unless you use something like a mechanical ventilation with heat recovery system, which passive houses often come with, uh, and that can actually allow you to help to pre-warm the, the cool air that's coming in using the stale air that's being ex expelled that's already been heated. Um, on top of that, the passive house standard uh, has particular levels defined for thermal comfort. Uh, temperatures in all the living areas throughout the year shouldn't exceed 25 degrees for more than 10% of the hours in a given year. So you don't want a, you know, a well-insulated building that then has lots of problems in the summer months. So they take into account the summer overheating within the design standard. Um, lighting and appliances uh, is also important so they actually try and maximize natural light uh, which actually you know if you can keep the wall construction down to a thinner level and uh, uh, you know, less thick um, you get more overall uh, lighting coming into the property so that's actually quite a, a key one from our point of view with thinner insulation uh, solutions um, we've touched upon you know lower U values that become associated with meeting these demands, and as has uh, been said, you know, keeping those U values down to to point one five, down to around point uh, one level, or, or even below. Um, but one of the really key areas for passive houses is the attempt to try and eliminate uh, the thermal bridges. So that's the additional heat losses that occur at the junctions around your windows, around your doors. Uh, where your walls meet your floors, where your walls meet your, your roofs and uh, where you've got intermediate floors in particular. But basically anywhere where elements come together, you know, if you consider the design, you can actually mask that heat, additional heat loss and, and passive house is very much about trying to limit those levels to the best extent possible. Fantastic. So obviously, you know, insulation is a big part of it. Well, it's actually making something that's buildable, you know, in a sense that, you know, if you're going to get into U values of 0.15 down to 0.1, you know, that is going to be quite a, a wall thickness if you're not choosing the, the right products. And uh, uh, you've got to have high performing insulation products. Um, you've got to look at when you're the methods of construction. So, um, you know, just quickly, the reason why quite often SIP panels have done quite well in this area is because they're actually they're large, um, you know, OSB, uh, a large part of insulation which is unbroken of timbers another layer of osb then you've got another continuous layer of insulation on the outside so there's not a lot of timber not a lot of thermal bridging in those kind of areas um so really it's looking at the kind of possibly modern methods of construction are kind of working well for this but looking at high performing insulation products to make sure you can build something that's actually going to get you a, a thickness of wall that's actually going to meet the design you kind of want and obviously you know we've seen our products used in numerous passive house buildings but it's not just homes, is it? Talk me through the River Studio case study map. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this was a, a kind of an interesting one, really. Uh, you know, this is where, from what I remember, they were looking at an existing kind of barn that they kind of, uh, you know, re kind of clad. Really, they used a, a Kingspan Unideck Aero panel at the time, and also a Tech Cladding panel, which was uh, uh, in in the kind of in the kind of clad in the building rather than actually being like additional kind of timber uh, tech house really where it's actually the structural panel from ground up this was actually kind of wrapping the kind of building uh, so yeah this was a, a kind of interesting one and 
interesting to see a kind of an existing building. You know, it's not something I really kind of you would think of really. You know, when people say to you House of Paris, I would imagine that you're kind of thinking of it got to be a new building. Absolutely. Um, so that's the thing that kind of stuck out. Of course, again, they use a combination of products. You know, a, even on the, the the tech cladding on the wall panel, they use additional Kingspan thermal wall insulation to help uh, not only achieve the lower U value but reduce those kind of thermal bridges that John was talking about. Um, so yeah, I mean that was a so it was an interesting kind of case study there. And like I said, they uh, they had Pacific kind of you know they were looking at new values of you know below 0.18 and, and and below, but they did push the boundaries quite a bit further than that. Um, and like I said, it was just this principle of <coughs> excuse me of a, a tech cladding panel wrapping the building. Um, and uh, I mean I'm not so much of the expert as, as, as you know as in the kind of energy performance as kind of John is, but the the, the you know, the principle of actually just wrapping the building on the outside, you know, you are reducing, um, taking great steps to reduce a lot of those kind of thermal bridges, I guess. John. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of key, really, to the fabric first approach. You know, ideally, you reduce your demands to the best possible extent you can. And then driving on down towards uh, nearly zero energy buildings, zero carbon standards, uh, you then, once you've reduced that demand, you then look to actually offset the rest in the best way that you possibly can. Uh, that's key to really to the passive house sort of approach. Yeah, I'm mean, just going back to this case study. One thing that made me, you know, it had actually like an it was like an asbestos clad barn. You know, when you actually see what it actually turned out to, it's a fantastic architectural kind of finished building. You just wouldn't have imagined it, and it just shows you what is possible with the right kind of design and consideration. Absolutely, and we'll put these links in um, the show notes as well, just so you can see what we're talking about today. But, John, just touching what you were talking about, about sort of this net zero energy. So this is sort of going further than than sort of passive house, isn't it? Can you talk to me a bit more about what that means, you know, with sort of net zero? Yeah, well, it's it's a little nebulous at the moment. Uh, Net zero is the aim. Uh, whether it's zero energy or zero carbon, and to to what extent uh, the overall final uh, goalpost to set is is still being developed, the overall aim really is is that uh, that buildings as a whole, new build and existing, uh, reduce the amount of energy that they're using, and therefore the amount of carbon emissions associated with the use of that energy to the the very highest extent possible. It's never going to really be possible to reduce our actual usage uh, to zero entirely. What you can really do at best is uh, achieve zero net emissions, which is mean, as I say, you you reduce the levels down as far as you can possibly push them, and then you offset uh, your actual energy usage uh, with energy uh, ideally derived from renewable energy sources. you would think it would be fairly simple to sort of set, you know, zero is the end goal and, and it's in the title. Um, but it, it's, it's what you're including, you know, there's regulated sources of energy uh, and carbon emissions, which is, you know, your heating demands, uh, your water demands, your lighting, uh, any cooling that might come into the building. You know, it's, it's the various different ways that you think you might use uh, energy for those purposes. But then there's also unregulated energy, uh, which also really needs offsetting as well. So your cooking and appliances, um, you know, if you're watching the television or you're running your fridge, there's electricity and, and energy uh, associated with those as well. And if you're really sort of talking about fully zero carbon, zero energy, then really you should be offsetting those as well. 
Matt, John, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's quite all right, any time. Thank you, yeah, very enjoyable. And that's all from us today. We hope you've enjoyed finding out more about Passive House and the key considerations needed when building to this standard and the benefits it can bring. Thanks for listening and make sure you stay tuned for our next episode. If you have any feedback, please get in touch at info at kingspaninsulation.co.uk or for more information, head to our website at kingspaninsulation.co.uk forward slash podcast.